0: This the revolution. This revolution. 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 Good morning, everyone. Um, Nice to be back. Um, If you're a guest around us or maybe you've been on holiday over the past few weeks and you're kind of like, where are we at? We're still here. We're in living sense. If you're new around us, we're in this series examining uh, the Sermon on the Mount where we recognise that for those of us who've put Jesus at the centre of our lives, it actually then causes the whole of our life to be radically different. Uh, Jesus wants to change both who we are, how we act and how we act towards others. And so we've been looking at the sermon amount of how Jesus wants to just change everything about us uh, in order that we'd live in the good of the life that he offers us through his life, death, and resurrection. And so, week in, week out, we've been kind of looking over the last couple of months at the sermon amount under this title of being li- of living centered. And if you've been around the last kind of uh, seven weeks, you know that we've had a load of just different people uh, speaking uh, from the front. I wanted to firstly just say thank you to those that have spoken, many of them for the first time, who I've listened to every single talk and just thought they've done an outstanding job. And so, firstly, just say thank you to those who've spoken. I think you've done brilliantly. Secondly, to those of us who've maybe been not around over the summer, the beauty of technology is that we can go online at www.theoasischurch.com and get to listen to any of the talks that we've missed. And I strongly recommend that you do that, as I know that it will do you good in listening uh, to them. And the third thing I wanted to say is just a massive thank you to everyone within the community. I always say that the best place to speak is Oasis, because the people in Oasis, who we are as a community, is just a great bunch of people who are always for others. I know for each of the individuals who've spoken, often for the first time, actually what's blown them away has been the encouragement and building up that's gone afterwards uh, for what they've spoken. So I just want to say a massive thank you to all of you for doing that, because I think it shows something about who we are. In terms of today, where we've got to is we've been looking at how Jesus impacts us in terms of the Sermon on the Mount, in kind of who we are and what we do. Now what's going to happen as we hit Matthew chapter 7 is that Jesus is going to impact uh, and challenge us in in respect to how we act towards others, and then we're going to look at, after the barbecue, uh, towards God. And actually, in living with Jesus at the very centre of our lives, it will change how we act towards others and how we act towards God. And we're going to look at that. But today, I want to look at the whole area of how we act towards others. And we're going to do that by looking and remembering Planks and Pigs. And I want to do that not because I think how we act towards others is to be derogatory, in that we're to think of them as planks and pigs, or that we're to uh, think of ourselves in a derogatory way as planks and pigs, but rather in using two things that Jesus uses as something that will remind us continuously of how we're to act towards others. Then my hope is that from the end of this morning what we'll leave thinking is, Man, I want to ensure that in everything I'm doing I remember planks and I remember picks. And that as a community, what we seek to build here is a community that continuously remember that who we are as we seek to both love God and love people, is to remember planks and picks. And so that's where we're going. So if you've got a Bible, if you want to turn to chapter 7 of Matthew, it will come on the screen behind us. We're going to read this, and we'll get straight in there. Jesus says this, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way as you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred, do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Jesus is highly interested in how we relate to others because God is all about loving people. God is a God of love, and God is a God who we've celebrated even through song this morning, who's this God who is Father, Son, and Spirit, who exists in a loving relationship and desires to catch up the whole of humanity within that loving relationship. And therefore, Jesus wants to ensure that those that have centered their lives around him seek to reveal something of who this God is, seek to reveal that this God, who is a God of love, loves people. And therefore, Jesus wants to get to the very heart of who we are and how we act towards others. In order that we'd understand that we have this amazing privilege of those who've sent their lives around it, Jesus to reveal who God is. And so Jesus wants us to understand that how we act towards others matters. And therefore he gives us these two lasting illustrations. He gives us an illustration of a plank and he gives us an illustration of a pick. And in it, what he wants us to do is get hold of those two illustrations and allow them to be this reminder that shapes how we interact with everyone. How we interact with others who've said they want to sense their lives around Jesus. How we interact with those that are yet to sense their lives around Jesus. And it starts off with a plank. That The plank is all about how we approach people. That's the starting point. If we want to remember, just think, right, plank, how we approach That when we come to interact with people, Jesus wants us to understand that it starts with how we approach others. And he simply kind of firstly says, how we're to approach people is we're not to judge them. He says, do not judge. That in that, what Jesus isn't saying at this point in time is, do not show any level of personal wisdom. In other words, don't live in a way that continuously thinks, actually, I'm just going to put myself in harm's way with people who are destructive and they're going to do me harm. Jesus isn't saying that. He's not saying, don't have wisdom. Rather, this word that Jesus is using to say, do not judge, is a word that in itself means, do not set yourself up as judge. Judge. Do not set yourself up as one who has the final word over others' lives. That's your root of that word that's there that's saying, do not set yourself up as someone who has the final word over others. Is do not set yourself up is a word that is the same root as the word condemn. Do not set yourself up as someone who gets to state whether someone else is condemned. Who gets to set someone up and say, well, that's, that's what their life is about. See, Jesus understands that, that you and I, that the whole of humanity can tend to live our lives just thinking, why are they doing that? Who do they think they are? And then the other one, oh, I'm not like that. I had a I'm not like that moment this morning. I was driving to the suite, half past eight in the morning, driving at 30 miles an hour, just under, along the Pershaw Road. There I am, driving along, just under 30 miles an hour, not because I'm getting to the speed camera, just because I am. (laughs) Driving just under 30 miles an hour. And I'm there, driving. Suddenly, a minibus comes passing me. I'm thinking, they're not going at 30 miles an hour or under, because the rate at which they're passing me shows they're going more than 30 miles an hour. In actual fact, I can't read what's on the side of the media bus, but I can when it gets to the back. And at the back, I see a name. And it's a name that's followed with the word church. (laughs) And as I see them pass me by, I start to think, I'm not like that. (laughs) And as I'm there, driving, thinking, I'm not like... Oh, what am I speaking of again this morning? (laughs) And you find yourself imprisoned by your realization that actually it isn't just a statement of me judging people by what they're doing. But it's also often a statement of me judging by myself of saying this is what I'm about and I'm not like them. And Jesus wants us to understand that that he doesn't want us to live like that. Because see, when we live stating who do they think they are. What do they think they're doing? I'm not like that. What Jesus wants us to understand is we've started to say, we're God. When Jesus kind of uses this word judge, he's using a word that is conclusive. That is a word that's saying it isn't like a judge in a, in a, in a courthouse. It's not saying, you know, you mustn't ever don on a wig and become a magistrate. It's not saying that. He's saying that we're not to be those that start to put ourselves where God is as a final judgment of what others' lives are about. But Jesus says when we come to act towards others, we need to remember that how we approach them is not as judge, that we're not to be those that see ourselves as God. He's saying, man, I just drive along the road thinking I'm driving under 30 miles an hour. What about the minibus? I know in that moment what's happened. Is I've started to put myself in a God position of saying, actually, I can judge how right I am because of how wrong they are. And Jesus says, this, this isn't how I'm calling you to live. I'm not calling you to live to say, Oh, you set yourselves up as some sort of mini deity that has the final say over people's lives or writes people off in that moment because of something they do. No, it's, it's God. Who's the judge? It's the God who has the final word. See, Jesus wants to understand us that we don't not judge just because He says don't judge. We think, "All oh, right, okay, great, I'll do that." Because that isn't enough. Because we'll still go and do it. He wants us to understand we don't judge because what we know of the One who is a judge the judge of all life, the one who we've even sung about this morning, we can kind of think, yeah, we believe in God the Father, come on, chant, 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 we believe, and I can't remember how quite the line goes, because I'm not very good with songs, I always forget the words, but it goes, we believe in one who's going to judge the living and the dead, and we're there, we believe in one who's going to judge the living and the dead. Jesus, name of, of all names. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we, think, well, we just said we believe in one who is the judge, who's going to judge everyone one day, including us. And Jesus wants us to understand that when we approach others, we have to remember ourselves first. Remember that, actually, when it comes to judging, we know what it is to know a right judge, one who is the judge of all. One who, when we come to realize who God is, who is completely perfect, that we just fall short of who he is. That for those of us who've come to revolve our whole life around who Jesus is, it's been through the understanding of who God is. As Father, Son, and Spirit, that that he's perfect and we're not. And when we come before him, we realize how far short we fall before him. And the Bible says, actually, that God who is just, because you have to be, don't you? If you're perfect, you can't just say, well, i forget that stuff. That's all right. Let's not worry about that. That's not perfect. That's inconsistent. Now, someone who's perfect and loving has to be consistent and say, no, no that's wrong. Oh, that's right. We see that this one who is perfect in every way that we face actually says, no, we do fall short before him. And therefore there is a judgment made. And the Bible talks about it, it, says, the judgment of us falling short of who God is out of our self-centeredness is death. Death in every sense of its word Not death just in that final sense, which you can think, oh no, I'm scared of that, that one day he's going to be in a coffin, everyone's gathered around, I'm not there anymore, and I'm kind of scared of that. No, it's death in every sense of the word, not just the final destination, but how it permeates the whole of our life. That however much we give ourselves to anything, there's always this stench. And some of us at this point are feeling very offended. But there's this stench of something that we say actually doesn't still fulfill. It still feels like it's going off. It's like that chicken that I bought in the co-op fridge. It said it was just on the sell-by date. But when I got it home and ripped the packet over, boy, did it smell off. And we find that so much of what we've given ourselves to, it just seems as though it's going to deliver, and yet it smells off. So there's judgment hangover hang over of death. But you see, God is a God who is just but loving. And therefore, in his love, what we've come to realize, that those of us who've based and centered our lives around Jesus, is that actually Jesus provides a way. A way for judgment to be seen, that he deals with our death sentence. In order that we can have life. Right. A life that's governed in his light. <laughs> that through just centering our lives around him. And saying, Jesus, I can't do this. I want what you've got. And he says, well, here you go then. Have this life that's then mine. That's all about my unconditional love and acceptance before you. That that's where you get to live from. See, when it comes to judgment, we continuously start from this place of recognizing. When Jesus says, don't judge, we remember We were those who knew what it was to face a judge. Face a judge who made a proper judgment, which was death. And yet was full of mercy and grace towards us. And so rather than us getting death, we get life. And life in all its fullness. Jesus says, don't judge. And why? (laughs) Why? After receiving everything that you've received in me. Would you then go and set yourself up as the God of just judgment over everyone else? And you know what it is to live in judgment yet receive mercy. How's this therefore going to shape everything about how you relate to Everyone. See, what it means is that when Jesus says, don't judge, we hear that and we think, oh yeah, because of how God has treated me. Therefore, firstly, it causes me to realise that I want to live in a, a, a place of total gratitude in the fact that I am way better off than I should ever be. That's the truth of it, isn't I go around smug thinking, I know something you don't know, I know something. It's like I live just thinking, man, I am way better off than I should ever be. Let me tell you about it. I don't live thinking, man, who are they? Why are they doing that? I think, man, I'm just way better off than I should ever be. I get to live understanding that I get to reveal. This God who is judge and yet full of mercy to everyone and anyone I come into contact with. Which means that we get to be the kind of community that reveal that. That where people come expecting to see judgment, what they find is mercy. See, the problem is that though Jesus said these words, do not judge, somewhere along the line we kind of got it wrong. We got it long wrong because we lost sight of who we are in relationship with God. And so then, as a bunch of people, let's take it broad brushstrokes so we don't feel too condemned ourselves, because that's not the point of this morning. It's, it's that we then say, as followers as of Jesus, what's happened is we've become known as the people who are kind of the wagging finger bunch at everyone else. Just, don't want to do that. The, you go online and you find that a celebrity dies. And then you find that immediately a bunch of people who've set their lives around Jesus feel that it's their place to start to say where that person's destiny is now. I don't see Jesus kind of ringing out in that moment of don't judge. See, it's in these moments that we get to change how we're seen in the world. That we just simply hear what Jesus said. And how we act towards others is we don't, judge why because we realize more than anyone else on this planet that boy were we deserving of judgment and yet what we received was mercy and we want everyone to taste that mercy and therefore we live lives that continuously are seeking to both live in the goodness of god's mercy and live then in the light of this life that he's given us of mercy That doesn't mean that we just go on going on doing whatever we've done before but rather are saying God I recognize that you've got the best plans for my life therefore I'm a project of restoration and I want to see the whole of my life transformed into the goodness of what you've got for me. See what it means then is how we approach others isn't just that we don't judge it's also that we approach them humbly. Humbly, in respect to understanding both us, understanding we're those that have received mercy, therefore we want to show mercy, but also humbly, in respect of we're those that are deeply grateful and so want to show other people gratitude of what we've got towards God, but also we're those that recognise that we're this project of restoration. We're not the finished project yet, But People only need to follow me. I've just confessed on the way to preaching on "Do Not Judge." Half past eight in the morning, driving along the personal Road, minibus of a church goes past fastly. I'm immediately judging them. I'm a project of restoration, and therefore I need to start with myself before I start to look at others and say, "Hey." There's restoration to be had here. Hey, let me tell you about it. Let me just deal with this. This is why Jesus then gets it back, says, don't judge. Start with the plank. Walk humbly before others, which just gets us to this, doesn't it? It gets us to the plank. And so Paul and Rob are just going to help me for a moment because I think Jesus did something in the plank that just really helps us understand something. So Paul and Rob, if you can come forward, that'd be very helpful. You see... The deal is, guys, if you can hold towards that end, it'd be probably helpful. Jesus says that when it comes to our life, we've got like a plank in our eye. I don't know how big you think the plank is in your eye, but I reckon the one I've got in mind is probably a bit like this sometimes. And what happens is as I'm walking around and I'm kind of looking and I'm looking around and suddenly I look around and I say, Justin, just at the back with your check skirt, I just want you to know, you've got a little mark on your glasses. And I thought you'd probably want to know that, because I can see that. And I thought you'd probably need to deal with that, because there's a little mark on your glasses. But then you see, I go around, and I get to Matt Wart. Now, if you're in the front three rows, you're starting to panic, I get to Matt Watt and I say, Matt, your hair's slightly in your eyes. I just can sense it. I can't really see it now because there's something in front of me, but I just sense your hair's in your eyes. And and then I kind of go around here and I kind of get in and I, and I start thinking, I think, okay, um, Lawrence George, I just need to go forward a bit. Um, Lawrence, I just thought you'd want to know there's something on your shirt. And And in it, you look and... You kind of get to this point, point. you think, what an absolute nut. <laughs> Always one. <Who's> <laughs> no, you put so do it down. But if I was to go round, thank you guys, and look like that, with a length of wood, one is, here's two things that happen. One is, everyone looks and thinks, why are you comp- commenting on a smudge on Justin's glasses or hair that's in Matt's eyes or a mock that's on Lawrence's shirt when there's a massive plank hanging out your own eye? That's just crazy. The other thing that happens is this that with that size plank is actually, if Rob and Paul hadn't been there, I'd have taken out everyone in the first couple of rows. I'd have just gone like this, holding the end, I'm not that strong. It'd have gone smack, 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 smack. A couple of people here for the first time, they just get smack in the head. That's where you get around Oasis. (laughs) Without knowing it, Jesus says we can laugh and think it's just a bit crazy. But we need to ensure that we don't live like that, that we don't live... Continuously looking at small things in others that hide what's obvious of this giant plank that's there hanging out of our own eye that causes others to think, this is crazy, what is going on here? And also it's destructive of others. Jesus then goes on and says, man, if you live that way, if you live, continue saying, what's going on with the smudge in your glasses? What's going on with your hair and your eyes? What's looking, with the mark on your shirt? He says, people will look at you and just think, man, you're a hypocrite. That word hypocrite is, it's basically, it's a play actor. You're someone who talks one story and lives another. Jesus says, no, no I, I want the reality. I want you to live out the reality of who you are. I want you to live out the reality of who you are. That means sometimes you live just saying, actually, yes, there's a massive plank in my eye. And I'm very, very aware of it. I can't possibly do that. What do people think of me? Maybe they'll think that you're real. Maybe they'll think that I'm real. See, Jesus says we need to identify the planks in our eyes as we walk humbly before others. We need to recognize that we start with ourselves. So how do you identify the planks? I say ask yourself a few of these questions. One is, what most irritates me in others? I promise you, what most irritates you in others is usually because it's what's most challenging about you. That's the kind of most awful thing I could say. Here's the deal. I get really, really frustrated by other people procrastinating. I really do. It just drives me bananas. If I, if I find someone procrastinating, I'm just like, man, why don't they just get on with it? Why is that? I have no level of kind of mercy for people on this? Because actually one of the planks that hangs out of my eye is procrastination. That on some things, I'll just put it off. And actually, rather than continuously dealing with the smudge in other people's glasses, I have to say, man, Adrian, deal with your own procrastination. What can irritate us most in others is often what's true for ourselves. Next one. What's the one thing I don't want anyone else to know at the moment? Like, if, first of all, I like say, now we're going to use this in a different way. The plank is now going to become our stage. I we going to take it now? Yeah, you know, we've got the whole afternoon. We're going to just take the whole afternoon out, one after the other. We're going to stand on the middle of the plank and say, what I don't want you to know about me is blank. I would die if you knew this one thing about me, about what I've done, about what I'm doing. Now, we're not going to do that. But what is that one thing? That one thing for some of us is immediately the thing that came to mind, and rather than at this point in time burying it, thinking, oh no, no, it's not that bad, it's not that bad, that's the one thing. For others of us, we just need to think about it and, and understand that that one thing is the plank. We're not called to kind of hide things that we don't want anyone else to know about, we come to deal with them. Third question When do I find myself most saying, I'm not like that? Maybe it's with a group of people. Maybe it's something we see. Maybe it's an issue that we face. We think, man, I'm just not like that. Because those moments when we say, I'm not like that, are moments where we've suddenly forgotten it's not about how we see ourselves before others. It's about who we are before God. And in those moments where we say, I'm not like that, it's our moment where we're saying, actually, I'm relying on my own sense of rightness in relation to that. My judgment of myself in relation to them rather than how God has seen me and I want to live in his mercy. See, once we've identified the planks, we then need to remove them. I say we remove the planks in three different ways. Firstly, we seek to identify it, which is what we've done. We recognize it. The second thing we do is we then repent in other words, we say, God, I'm sorry where this is in my life and where I'm still living with a sense of knowing we're a project of restoration and I want to deal with this. Therefore, God, I ask, would you come and deal with this? Would you come and help me live free of it? So, God, I say, I'm sorry, and I receive your forgiveness, and now I say I want to turn around, which is what repentance is in, just like saying sorry and carrying on with it, saying, God, I'm sorry I receive your forgiveness, and now I go a different way. And so we say, I'm not, I'm not going to do this. I'm not, I'm not going to live in procrastination anymore. It's like a, a group accountability session for me this morning, isn't it? You get to know my judgments of drivers and my own procrastination. You'll be all this week going to me by next Sunday. How did you do then? What did you not procrastinate over this week? Like, oh, man, why did I tell you all? Um, but I say, right, I don't want to do that. Why? Because I realize I'm not seeking to seize every moment for you, God. I'm not living Disciplined. Therefore, I want to say, God, I'm sorry where I do that. I'm sorry where I judge others where I do that. And God, I want to say, I want to use every moment now for you. And then, having repent, we renew our minds and say, well, what's this new way I'm going to live then? Well, it's partly what I've said. I want to say, I want to seize every moment for you, Jesus. I want to see that everything I'm doing, however mundane or however amazing, is all in glory of you. Therefore, I want to do it as worship to you. So that every moment isn't a moment to procrastinate of how can I get out of doing that, but rather, how can I do this Is honouring and worship to you, God? That's a way of me renewing my mind in that moment. So we recognise, repent, and we renew. So first of all, how we act towards others is we remember the plank. Remember it's all about our approach. We don't judge. We walk in humility. And lastly, we support See, Jesus says that once we've dealt with our planks, we then can help others. See, when we recognize that we're living with planks, it realizes that, it makes us understand that we then, when we approach others, isn't in judgment and condemnation, but rather in an understanding of love and acceptance towards others. And their ability to come and bring hope of freedom. That we get to say to someone, actually, do you know what? I know what it's like to struggle with this. But God can come and help us know freedom in and through it. See such a difference in us coming and standing alongside one another and saying, Hey, where there's this. I don't sit in judgment of you, I sit next to you in wanting to walk with you, in understanding the freedom that you can know. He says we approach people remembering the plank. But secondly, it isn't just about our approach. It's also not just about the plank, it's about the pig, which is where we finish off with. You see, I went on holiday uh, last couple of weeks, went to Cornwall. We went to this place over a year, and it's quite a unique place. It's called Old MacDonald's Farm. Kind of aptly named. It's a campsite, quite kid-friendly campsite, as you can imagine. And on Old MacDonald's Farm, there's some little farm animals. There's not many. But on the farm, there's a couple of pigs. Now, in it, these couple of pigs, at no point did I think about what Jesus says here? See, what we've got here, and I thought, I can't bring one of those pigs, so I thought I'd get a pig, so I've got this little pig. Ah. And um, (laughs) at no point did it ever cross my mind with the pig that I should feed it pearls. I didn't kind of wake up on the morning and say to Rebecca, our youngest, hey, should we go and feed the animals? Got a little inheritance. Got some pearls. Why don't we go to the pig's? There you go, little piggy. Here's some pearls. Now, if I had done that, people would have probably thought, this is kind of nuts. Why is that guy throwing pearls to pigs? Either he is so rich, he's rubbing in our faces, but why is he camping? (laughs) Or... He's completely nuts, and how come he's in care of a child? My hope is that at some point, if I'm there going, come on, little snouter, come on, little wrinkly tail, want some pearls? That at some point, someone would intervene and say, that's nuts, you don't do that, that's crazy. Use your pearls and go and sell them. That'd be great. At that point, actually, they're imitations or any plastic. It doesn't really matter. But at that point, they still say, but it's nuts. You don't give pearls to pigs. Now, obviously, Jesus was giving both a practical piece of advice there that you don't ever give pearls to pigs. So for any of us who are ever in that position where we've just got too many pearls to deal with, you know, why should I do this? Oh, no, i got give them to pigs. Remember, Jesus said, don't do that. <laughs> but obviously, Jesus was saying something different. See, at this moment when Jesus says, pearls to pigs, it's in a way that we're never going to forget that. I Man, The whole world knows that one. You don't forget, yeah, don't give your pearls to pigs. Yeah, what? Oh yeah, I would not ever do that anyway. But we will remember it just as we're going to remember a plank, we're going to remember a pig. You see, when we think of the pig, what Jesus is saying when it comes to how we relate to people, where the plank was about how we approach people, the pig is all about what we share with people. See, when it comes to pearls... Pearls are precious. Man, if I gave you a cup full of pearls this morning, not imitation proper ones, you'd be like, this is the best morning ever. I don't know what to do with them, but I know they're worth something. I know I can do something after, once I've found out what to do with them. And I've got this cup full of pearls. You'd be like, that's amazing, because we understand that pearls are precious. Therefore, what we get with that is we've got to then say, well, this precious thing, what am I going to do with it? I'm not going to throw it to pigs because that's nuts. I want to use it where it's going to be best used. And Jesus says that's like what it is when we're approaching people. You see, this isn't just a, a moment of wisdom about wealth. This is in a context where Jesus is talking about how we approach people. So having said how we approach people is we, we, we're to do it in this way that's not judging, Is seeking to be humble, Is seeking to support. But it's also about how we then share with people and what we share with people. How we share what is precious with us. And so what does that look like? I'd say, I'd say it's, to finish off, it's like three different ways of how we then share with people. It's about how we share Jesus with people. For those of us who've sent our lives around Jesus, surely he is our pearl of great price. Surely he is our deepest treasure. Surely he is one who is so precious to us. And therefore in this moment, it isn't suddenly a derogatory term that's saying, right, who are the pigs then that we're not going to give Jesus to? That's not that. It's saying, where is it and when is it inappropriate to share Jesus? Because someone's not ready to get that. A pig is never ready to receive a pearl. But sometimes there's people who are not yet ready to receive Jesus. See, one of our greatest mistakes we've made as followers of him is to think that everyone needs to hear about him straight away. And so we find ourselves talking about Jesus, forcing it into conversation. We find ourselves going down the street, and maybe we don't do this anymore, but it can still happen, with a big kind of bullhorn. And kind of shout out, you're all going to die. You're all sinners. Jesus loves you. You're all going to die. You're all sinners. Jesus loves you. And we think, why is it no one responds? Everyone continues to walk past thinking, crazy person, crazy person. Because we're suddenly pushing someone in who others aren't ready for. See, so you know conversations with people who don't know Jesus... Let's not immediately think, how do I get Jesus in? How do I get Jesus in? Let's rather think, when are they ready for the most precious thing I can give them? I've got a friend who I've known now for five years. We started off now, unfortunately, because of what I do, it means you get Jesus in quite quick. He's quite honest. So I see, we kind of did the, hello, I'm so-and-so, hello, I'm so-and-so. What do you do? I'm a solicitor. What do you do? I leave the church. Oh, I'm an atheist. I don't want to ever talk to you about God. Door shut. At that point, I don't then say, Really Do you not know who Jesus is? Bang, Jesus, bang, Jesus. No, I just chat to him. Five years later, on a beach in Cornwall, we start to talk again. Because at this point, we've done a four or five year journey. We're now at this point. I can start to talk about the difference Jesus makes to my life. And he says, oh yeah, I never told you this. I went to Sunday school. No, you went to Sunday school. Yeah, I, I got the award for the most improved person. You got the award for the most improved person? I never got that. <laughs> Why did you leave? Oh, because I got to this lesson on a Sunday morning. The guy went, struck a match, blew it out. And he said, do you know what that is? Do you know what that's full of? My friend said, I don't know. Well, he did know. Mm-hmm. He says, it's full of sulphur. Do you know where there's loads of sulphur? My friend goes... A matchstick factory. (laughs) The teacher says, No. Hell. Hell is full of sulfur. My friend never ever went back. For my friend, we've done five years of me just talking and walking. Because if I'd started at the beginning and said, Jesus, 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 he'd have just gone, I don't need this. And he'd have turned on me and said, I don't want anything to do with you. The most precious thing we have, we need to ensure that people are ready for. We need to force it in. We just journey to the point at which we're able to share it. The second one is in respect to support. 2 Peter 2.22 says this, The proverbs are true. A dog returns to its vomit, and a sow, that's a pig, that is washed, returns to its wallow in the mud. This is a profound and offensive statement. There's some people, however clean you get them, however much you want to support them, are still going to go and do the same stuff, are still going to go and wallow in the mud, are still going to say, well, you might have got me clean for a moment, but I'm just going to get back and muddy. There are some people we can say, I'm going to support them, but they just don't want to change. And therefore, for us to continuously be going back, it's like putting pearls out and putting something the pressures there and them saying, actually, I don't want this, I'm not ready for it. And the most stupid thing we could do Is to keep going back and thinking this is going to change. Pulse. The third one is what's precious to us. There's two ways this works out. See, what's precious to us is our past, our present, and our future. That's what's precious to each of us. And we want to be understood in what we're facing. And the deal is that we walk in two different ways. One is in respect to how we relate to people. And the best way I can think of this is for each of us will have relationship bridges between ourselves and other people. And if you like a physical bridge, always has a weight limit on it. We probably don't ever notice it because generally we all drive in cars or ride bikes or walk over it, and then we're never going to be that limit. But each bridge will have a weight limit. And if you go over that weight limit on that bridge, the bridge will be destroyed. It'll just break. And the reality is the same is true between us and every single person we know. The the relationship we have with them, the depth of which it goes, will have a weight limit. And the amount that we can share with that person will be determined by the weight limit we've got with them, by the history, by how they know us, by how for us they are. And if we try to drive too much of our stuff over a bridge that is unable to sustain it, what will happen is the bridge will be destroyed. In the end, however caring that person will be, because our relationship isn't at the point it should be with them, and we've driven over way more than we should, what's precious to us will be misunderstood, will be missed, it might not be that, that they kind of intentionally, well, that's the worst thing I've ever heard. It just won't feel as precious to them. <clears throat> I was saying, well, great, but why are you telling me this? And you think, man, I've just bared my soul to you. Do you not understand how precious it is to me? And they think, well, I don't really understand the way you've told me that. But sometimes we need to understand that what Jesus is teaching here is, is practical. It's, it's about how we share and what we share with others. And ensuring that we're sharing The right stuff with the right people. It's also about what we share and trust to God rather than to others. See, sometimes we can have what's so precious to us in terms of what's happened in our past, what's going on in our present, what we hope for in our future. And what we do with it is we we say, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna get this. And I wanna I wanna I wanna say I'm gonna share it with that person. I don't want them to understand it. I, I want them to, to look after it for me. I want them to try and sort me out because surely they can do that. And what we forget is they're just human. They can't do what God's men are do. The stuff that we sometimes look to trust the people that the only person we should be trusting it to is God. And for some of us, we have to say, I need to stop looking there and start looking there. Start to look to God and say, God, would you take this? God, I I trust what happened to me, to you, and ask, would you find a way for me to know peace here? God, I ask, would you be with me in this moment, in the present? God, I, I say, what I hope for in the future, I trust to you. Jesus is so interested in how we relate to others that he gives us these two lasting reminders and says, remember the blank, remember the pig. And I want us to live remembering that, not as thinking, oh yeah, that's some derogatory term of others, but rather than just this way of us to relate to each other here, to us to relate to everyone in order that we'd be able to reveal something of who God is in order that we'd be able to live in the goodness of who God is. What we're going to do to finish off with this morning, and the kids' work will be fine because they started late, therefore they're okay for us to finish slightly later, is we're just going to finish by taking communion. And why we're going to do that is it just gives us a moment to say, in this, I get to remember, God, who I am before you. That God... What this meal represents is Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And in in this, I get to remember that rather than judgment, I've received mercy. Therefore, I get to show mercy. But also that in this moment, as we get to remember how we've received mercy, it's a moment where we come and we say, God, I also come with fresh perspective. Fresh perspective before you and say that I want to come and say, I want to do dealings with some of the planks that are in my eye because I don't want them to be a moment where I'm ignoring them and others looking at me, man, what's going on there? But also a moment where we come and say, Jesus, I want to trust you with all that I am. And say, Jesus, I recognize that everything I hold precious is only ever safe in your hands. And therefore, I want to come as well in this moment and say, I take this bread and drink this juice to both remember who you are what you've done, but also who I am before you and how I get to entrust everything to you. That's what we're going to do. So go ahead and pray for us. And then basically what we're going to do is we're just going to disperse, grab some communion. Then what I'd say is once you've got it, if you come uh, back and then I'll kind of pray and we'll know it's ended and we can then go and get kids if you've got them. But if you want to just close your eyes, just pray for us. Jesus, I thank you so much that you so are interested in how we relate to others that Jesus, you're so interested in who we are. And Jesus, you never want us to live out of unreality. We we'll always want us to live in the reality of who you've made us. And Jesus, I, I just pray, would you cause us in this moment to be able to take a pause moment where we can just remember just the beauty of who we are through you, Jesus, of the life that you therefore give us. And I pray, Jesus, we remember that life. I pray, would it cause us to then live in the good of it, I pray for those of us who just know we need to trust you with some stuff that's going on in life. I pray would we use this as a moment to trust you with it again. pray for those of us who know that we just need to deal with some stuff. That God, in this moment, we say, actually, Jesus, I, I come and give this to you and say, I want to live differently. We ask this for your glory, Jesus. Amen.